0: Nowadays, the so called comedy acts are mainstream in the Eurovision with singing turkeys, bread baking babushkas, or Dingelbach pumpernickel. Uh, sorry, I mean Engelhat Dingelpump. No, Bengelhat. Eh, you know who I mean. One or more such entries popping up almost every year but some decades ago things were usually a little bit more serious. One of the classic examples was in 1987 when Nathan Datner and Avi Kushner joined forces to perform Shir Habatlanim or as it's perhaps better known Hoppahulle for Israel. Boy did they perform it, and boy did it stir up controversy. This is Eurovision Legends. I am your clown, Emma Lövström. Jala balagan. Habaim to Eurovision Legends, and Nathan
1: All right, hi. How are you? Uh, to tell the truth, in corona times, uh, it depends. One day you're up, one day you're down. You know, in our profession, we are the first to close, the last to open. So, I'm doing my best staying at home and uh, doing nothing.
0: I think we shall warm up. With some quick questions to get in a good mood. Is that okay for you, Lazy Bum? All right, go on. Best song from Israel in Eurovision?
1: Hallelujah. Worst song from Israel in Eurovision? Oh, I don't even remember the name. There was a group that uh, during the song they were waving uh, flags. Ah, ping pong, Sameach. Sameach, right on. Sometimes. uh... When you want to be uh, more than just a song, and uh, you go uh, one step too much forwards and that's what happened with uh, with ping pong, and and in the other side of um, the time when you are electing a song in Israel was uh, a kind of you know sometimes they make a Eurovision context uh, and sometimes just. Vote for something that they don't really know. And that's what happened with ping pong. They didn't know the group. They didn't know a- anything. And they were kind of surprised what happened during the Eurovision.
0: Dana International or Neta?
1: Whoa. Um, I love them both.
0: Favorite country in Eurovision besides Israel. Ireland. Favorite winner in Eurovision.
1: It's the one who... Um, who won our Eurovision? Johnny Logan. Johnny Logan. Uh, he won twice. And he it was really something because he's, he's not only a very good singer, he wrote the songs and he was great.
0: And uh, who do you think would be the best participant from Israel in Eurovision next year? Uh,
1: we have a very good uh, young singer, Ethiopian singer, I think uh, she's going to be a very good one. And even uh, I think she's going uh, to going. let's say, she got a lot of chances to win because uh, the guy who wrote uh, Neta the song uh, is going to write to her for her.
0: Doron Medali.
1: Doron Medali, yes, he is good.
0: Well, you survived the first part. Now that I've lured you into a false sense of security, let's dig in. Tell me, Natan, how come you took part in Kadam in 1987?
1: Well, it all happened, uh, you know, like uh, most of uh, good things and uh, good success start with uh, a kind of a joke, a kind of an episode. Avi Kushner and me met in a theater production, Taming of the Shrew by Shakespeare. And during the rehearsals, uh, we thought that maybe it it will be a very good idea uh to perform a kind of uh, rock and roll music stand up and at that time really liked the blues brothers and we we thought maybe we'll we'll make a kind of a salute to the blues brothers so uh, we try as we said we opened rehearsals about around this idea and we were rehearsing and our manager told us that there is a song that no one wants to sing and maybe we uh, will take the song in Israel and in this way we will uh, uh, publish our program and people will come to buy some tickets and this was the old idea and suddenly we won the context in Israel we found ourselves in Belgium yeah
0: so, Har Laskov wrote the song and Kobe Oshrat arranged and conducted it. Do you remember the first time you heard the song? I asked because Kobe Oshrat told me it was terrible. So, what was your reaction when you first heard it?
1: Well, I told you before, no one wanted to sing the song because it was kind of, as we say in music, estam estam, a kind of a silly uh, children's song. And uh, no one really believed in this one, but we thought that maybe we can do something with it. So we uh, we uh, came to Kobe Oshad, our friend, and we said, look, we are the Blues Brothers, kind of. Uh, Try to do something that will fit us. And he came with the idea of the, this kind of a rock and roll tom. And he really... Uh, uh build up a very good song and call booker animator beer shota esser Rotzer Otashem Shadris at Mastirin Potter Hatris Velloro Shemeshemastiro Bieni o Celicos Cafe Umadli Nasigaria Yatselamer Pesat Lefatsea Garin at se poor in your dogs it lamer peset to mefasmotiti the chirabat. The magic of the song is that his so simple, and you've got a lot of words, by the way, many words to tell the truth, <laughs> and and of course the cause of uh, just the hupa hula, which is universal. So this is was the success of it. Yeah. <speaking in foreign language>
0: The song describes the daily routine of an idle man, apparently unemployed. Tell me about the meaning of the lyrics.
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's it, it calls The Lazy Bums because it's a, it's a kind of a song that tells that uh, life goes on and you wake up in the morning, do nothing, want nothing, hope for nothing and just want to go to your neighbor to ask for something and you go to the terrace and you see the birds, and life is beautiful. And try to live this way.
0: In the pre-selection, Kadam this year, many great artists competed, like Itzar Cohen, Duardatz, and Zvika Pik, just to mention a few, who are well known to the Eurovision audience. Do
1: you remember who you thought would win it? Well, um. Well, I tell the truth, uh, there were, as you say and as you mentioned, there were so many good singers and good songs that we thought that this contest at 1987 was one of the best because there were so many good songs. So I didn't know really who is going to win, but I was sure that we are not.
0: The favorite to win were Ilana Avital with the song Daily Die that got a second place. Did you have any favorites yourself?
1: To tell the truth, I remember the third uh, place, I think, Mickey Come. Yeah, that that was the best song, uh, if you ask me at that time. And uh, she gave us a good fight. She's a very good friend of mine. She's really a very good singer. It was a very good song. And I thought she's going to win. And at the beginning she was on, at the last... Curve <laughs> at the last angle, uh, we uh, we took the leading. As we say, the most worst thing that happened to us, we won.
0: (laughs) Well, it was the first time that a satirical comic act had been selected to represent Israel. And this pissed off the Minister of Culture, Yitzhak Navon, who threatened to put in his resignation if the song represented Israel on the night of the contest.
1: No, it wasn't Yitzhak Navon, it was Gidon Pat. Oh! Oh! It was, I think, uh, Minister of the Tourism, some kind of...
0: Google and Wikipedia, listen well now.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't Yitzhak Navon. And he raised the question uh, in our Knesset, in our parliament, how come we, uh, as Israel, send ambassadors to the Eurovision context? They're presenting lazy bums. This is not the Israeli character. This is not the Israeli spirit. But, of course, it was uh, some kind of nonsense and everybody... Uh, knew it, and then he apologized.
0: Google and Wikipedia, write that down. In the end, he chickened out and did not carry out his r- threat to resign. Right. Did, did you experience that more people were upset?
1: In Israel? Yeah. No, no, no. I tell you, I, what happened in Israel is the fact that at that time, at 1987, uh, people felt kind of... Um, Uh, Sick of the Eurovision context, uh, because they were thinking that uh, it's too commercial and everybody wants to write very commercial song. It's not, it doesn't have any quality. And And they saw us a kind of a rebel. Uh, against the eurovision context kind of we are we love these actors they talk, they don't take it very seriously so we are going to vote for them as we say come on get serious and don't take it so serious <laughs> uh, the eurovision context. so in israel we were really uh, in one day a hell of a stars we couldn't we couldn't leave our home uh, girls were standing in front of our uh, places and homes and 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 uh, we we became a kind of a rock star which which we didn't, didn't Want to be, and it was quite a mess in Israel to tell the truth. And everybody liked us very much. Till today, I must say, it's amazing. It's almost more than 30 years now.
0: The contest in 1987 was held in Brussels. Please take us back to
1: your memories from the host city. Well, we, ca- we were kind of lazy bums and we were kind of rebels. So we thought and we, uh, we have decided that we are going to make fun out of this event. So to take out the rehearsals, we didn't do anything that they asked for us. We said, look, we have fun. We are going to take our bus." and we are going to travel to bruges etc don't worry we'll come to the rehearsals and we didn't do anything that uh, the company uh, or that arranged the eurovision tried to give us there was kind of a party here or a party there which was for us kind of boring and we really didn't feel the uh, um, the city itself because we uh, we were all on our own, and we we used to be a very, very nice group of people that we have so much fun and so much love. So I don't really remember everything from uh, Belgium. Uh, here and there, there was a kind of, uh, they took us to a hippodrome or kind of, um, look, we, we didn't take it any seriously, even though that we were in Brussels. The only thing that we uh, were is about the act itself. We were trained. We made a very good training in Israel to be fit, to be able to sing and to dance at the right moment, at the money time. So this is the only thing that we really took care of.
0: I've heard that your partner Kushner was good in French gibberish. <clears throat>
1: Kushnir is a very good comedian, and uh, he uh, took advantage of uh, everything that is uh, going on in (laughs) Brussels, and uh, he can do a very, very good uh, French gibberish, and he even talked to some people in Belgium in his kind of uh, gibberish, and they answer him. So we were really in shock, because we said he didn't say anything. How come they answered him? But... (laughs) That was the kind of, um, you know, when you are in a kind of a Eurovision context, um, ambassador of your country, at the week that you are in Brussels, everybody treats you like you are a king. And let me tell you something that no one will tell you. When they announce the one who won the context, at that moment, you are become nothing. It was amazing to see. Till the context, everybody asked us uh, what do we want and if they can do something for us, if they can help us. And they were surrounding us, asking questions, just trying to serve us that will feel very, very good. The moment that the first prize was announced, no one looked at us, no one talked to us. We even took our clothes and we went to the auditorium and we ask, where are our buses we want to come to go back to our hotel nobody knew it was kind of amazing of there is one song that is a winner the other all other are losers thank you very much we don't (laughs) want to see you again
0: The choreography of the song is extremely memorable and the performance would surely have become a viral meme if it had emerged today. Who choreographed your performance?
1: Oh, we, um, we had a friend, a director, Michael Levinson, who is now... Uh, he passed away uh, a few years ago, sorry to say. And we all together contribute some steps. For instance, the finger is mine. Uh, the clapping is Kushner. The, uh, the squares is Micha. So in this kind of work, we uh, build up our, um, our dance. Of course, uh, the Blues Brothers were on top of, uh, of what we... Uh, there was a, a kind of, you know, the spirit of the Blues Brothers, uh, where it's uh, all, all, all time around. So we did try to make it like... The spirit of the Blues Brothers.
0: Without any special preparations, how much of the routine could you still perform today? I mean, do you still remember the choreography?
1: Yeah, I remember every step of it, but... Ah, are you still that limber? Uh, (laughs) Well, to tell the truth, no. But I I can do the steps, I can do the moves a little bit slower. (laughs)
0: <laughs> in the live performance in Brussels, it is quite clear from watching that the stage is actually slightly too small for your planned routine. With all that jumping, did you ever come close to falling off the
1: stage during the rehearsals? Uh, no, but uh, you're right, we were really concerned because when we saw the stage the first time we came to the rehearsal auditorium, we were really kind of worried, how come we're going to do our squares? And we kind of a little bit changed the moves in, uh, concerning the, um, the squares. The squares weren't really squares, to tell the truth, because the stage was uh, um, too small for us. But no one really cared to tell the truth. Yeah, But no, no, we, we, we never fell off the stage, never.
0: Shir Batlanim ended in an eighth place and Ireland won. Opinions about the outcome...
1: Well, uh, we are in a good place. Uh, We are in a good position because there were many songs from Israel that uh, finished very, very down, uh, 22nd place, etc. So every time we say we uh, finish number eight, uh, they always say, oh, all right, okay, so you were good. You know, when you are in the first ten songs on top of top, In the context, it's a kind of a good place to be. Did you ever think you had a chance to win? To win? uh, Eurovision?
0: Um, I mean, of all the attention you got in Brussels.
1: uh, First, I have to tell you that uh, I think it was the only time in Eurovision history that many uh, television stations invited the first place, Johnny Lugan, and please bring over the crazy guys from Israel.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Really, it was really amazing because uh, most of the time, uh, they're always hosting the first place, the song that won. And nobody remembers the other songs now. Um, we were traveling through Europe through uh, performing our song in uh, some countries. But to tell the truth, in Israel, we were the last song in the context, and this song is affected by the impact of the Eurovision context, of the impact of any song, any song context. Because when you are the last one, so people have the impact of the other songs, and then you come and make fun of it as the last song. Uh, what was really not good for us is that we were only. The second song in the Eurovision context, yeah, uh, con- concerning the performance, right? Yeah. So the impact we're performing, uh, let's say, uh, number fifteen. For I think we we'll, we probably would uh, finish uh, higher. Then eight, please.
0: An English version of the song was recorded, and here in Sweden, the big public figure, record label boss, and businessman, and later politician, Bert Carlson, made a Swedish version of the song, describing his own life. Despite being totally inept in the singing department. <laughs> And it has also popped up in various versions in other countries. How
1: was this success after Eurovision for you? Well, uh, to tell the truth, it was kind of a compliment, uh, but nothing else, because uh, no benefit came out of all this uh, publicity. What I was really surprised is, I don't know if you know, but uh, in uh, London, in the days before the corona, sometimes the group of the musicals actors doing a kind of a Eurovision context. Do you know it? No well you have to see it in london yes they are each group of uh, a musical let's for instance say uh billy elliot chorus yeah against wicked okay and they are um they are fighting and making contacts uh while they're performing eurovision songs and uh, I think the Billy Elliot group was performed with Shira Batlanim, And it was really amazing. They staged it and uh, they're making something out of it. It was really, uh, you got to see it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really, yeah. When you were in Brussels, did you understand that your performance would be remembered forever in Eurovision circles?
1: Uh No. No, I I tell you, we we really didn't mean uh, to put uh, something uh, memorable in this Eurovision context. It happened, and we are happy and very proud of it.
0: What was it like to travel back to Israel after Eurovision? I mean, you said before that you were treated like rock stars after winning Kadam. Was it the same after Eurovision? Still,
1: (laughs) still people uh, liked us very much, and then we... uh, we made our performance uh our, our plan to do some uh, some show and uh we are we became very very uh big stars in israel uh, till today but uh, today i'm uh, uh, i'm on my own of course and i'm uh, i'm a director and an actor in theater and television and i'm doing my stuff and And Kushner is doing his stuff. He is kind of a hell of a very big star, really, also in Israel. And uh, people sometimes ask us if we want to do again the number. And of course, we don't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But have you ever considered or been considered to participate again?
1: No, no way. I mean, it's... uh, it's a kind of um, experience that you uh, that you have only once in your life, and to tell the truth, it's something different today because it uh, became so commercial, um, and the old idea of the Eurovision now is not really uh, happening nowadays because the old idea was to make Europe all together appreciating each other's countries' culture. And it was really fun and really good to hear a lot of languages in the Eurovision context. And now uh, you can't even um, make a difference between the countries. You don't know who the song is from unless the host announced the name of the country. But the whole idea of the Eurovision is no longer exists. It's kind of a commercial. You come to... uh, succeed to take the first place and then you become very famous and you're going to make some money out of it. Um, It's it's became an extravaganza. uh, Who make it bigger and bigger? Remember the Eurovision in Israel was fascinating. Really, it was one of the best. But it's kind of, okay, now what the other country will do? And it's kind of uh, who has the, the bigger performance ever in Eurovision history, and I don't really like uh, the the way it uh, turned out to be now.
0: Shir Abatlanim was a big success in Israel. Did you had a follow
1: up single? Yeah, we had a few. Yeah, we had uh, we had a few. Um, but you can't win this kind of uh, success again. We didn't become Abba. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> when was the last time you performed the song together? uh it was in iceland it was in 1988 i think uh, we were stars uh, huge stars in iceland it's very easy to be a star in iceland <laughs> and then we came there and we make some performance um and this is it
0: are you and avi still
1: friends yes of course of course i very uh i like to be with it makes me laugh and i'm a very good audience so this is the relationship <laughs>
0: what are you doing today in your life in israel
1: uh as i mentioned before i'm uh, an actor and a director this is what this is where i came from this is my main issue my main business my main uh, art as we uh, used to say i'm playing in uh, the international theater of of israel and i'm uh, I used to uh, be an um, artistic manager of some uh, huge, uh, big theater in Israel, and I'm a directing place, and I'm doing TV shows, and I'm, I'm in TV series and movies. Um, and I'm, uh, I became a kind of uh, musical star in Israel. I did... Uh, one, uh, Two of uh, my best parts were I was to in Fiddler on the Roof, which, uh, which was a huge success here in Israel. And I even play uh, my fair lady, Miss Professor Higgins. So I'm quite involved in the theater's uh, life uh, in Israel, to tell the truth.
0: I uh, know that this is a hard question for you to answer, but what impact would you say that your song and performance
1: has had on Eurovision? I don't think it had any uh, impact. Uh, just uh, it was a good number. I'm, I don't really believe that. Uh, um, do you think we uh, we had an impact on the Eurovision song?
0: Maybe not on songs, but I think you have had on other participants. I believe, yeah. In what way? Uh, because. People remember your performance and knows that if you can do a good comedy act with a good song, it will forever be remembered
1: and probably score well. Yeah, but you'll never win with this kind of song. By the way, if I'm not wrong, tell tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think so. You'll never win this kind of uh, context with a yeah, um, a song that uh, make a kind of. Uh, Comic act, do you remember any any uh, first prize that was kind of a comic act? no
0: no, but Verkasduuchka came second it.
1: sometimes the victory is not to win uh not today today you have to come to win and uh because it's like uh <laughs> As Seinfeld used to say in the Olympic Games, who remember the second place? No one. Everybody remember the first place, the first prize. There. Um,
0: and the eighth place from 1987.
1: <laughs> well, yes. But those kind of people, I think, they are a little bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much
0: for this nice chat Nathan. i am a big fan and friend of israel so i wonder who do you suggest i shall invite to my podcast from israel
1: um i think uh, norit Hirsch, the composer of uh yeah
0: and she was the conductor too
1: oh my god you know everything you are really uh, you don't have anything to do in life it's amazing (laughs) Um, you even pronounce the uh, names correctly
0: (laughs) To Tudarabanathan
1: you're most welcome. Thank
0: you. The Hama Azinim Laulam. I'm so proud and thankful that you are listening, writing to me and sharing my episodes on your social media. You can contact me with suggestions, questions, opinions, or whatever you feel like by emailing me at email at or through Eurovision Legends on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe so you're always updated with new episodes. You find all information and episodes on EurovisionLegends.se. I'm Israel Chai. Alright, if you say so. Lehit
1: Bye bye.
0: Vad är det någon hittade här eller?